0: Come on in, folks, to the 19th hole and the Get In The Hole podcast, Stephen McAvoy. John Reveille here to break down the Memorial, the Women's Open, and, of course, what is the come. now? We're a week away from the U.S. Open down in Torrey Pines. First, John, I just want to welcome you in. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well. How are you? Long time. Long time no talk. I feel like we haven't talked in a second. I feel like the podcast is the only time we talk now, you know what I'm saying? We're both busy.
0: Well, I mean, outside of uh, you offering me these crazy fantasy baseball deals, it's really all we
1: do is, uh, is,
0: is that and plot podcasts.
1: It's and, more like the exact opposite. Hey, remember when I whooped your butt in fantasy baseball like two weeks ago? Yeah. All right. No, yeah. All right hold on. You,
0: you literally won because of two hits and, and maybe a home run. That was literally it. But, but regardless, I won by one in every single offensive okay? game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know what? Shut up. But anyway, so, look, man, Torrey Pines is coming up. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, but we're going to start here. With the memorial, I want to get some, uh, some some initial reactions. There was a lot of things uh, that came down to this. First of all, kudos to you uh, and partly myself as well uh, for picking Patrick Cantlay as a top five and Colin it to win. It literally came down to a little uh, bogey at the very end there uh, in the playoff. But what was your reaction of the ending of the tournament?
1: I thought it was exciting you know I mean I feel like we've been a little spoiled lately you know with the the PGA the colonial coming down to the end and now this I feel like golf fans have been a little spoiled for the past few weeks and deservedly so I feel like um at the end of 2020 beginning of this year we didn't have a lot of those down to the wire finishes but a playoff is like the most exciting thing to me it's like extra innings in baseball but on steroids so I I thoroughly enjoy any time any tournament goes to playoff. I don't care which one it is
0: it was it was it was really great to watch, I and mean, the one thing that that I loved was that despite Colin Morikawa losing on that uh, tough bogey putt, he, the, coming down to the end though, he need, he needed the up and downs to uh, to get it. He did it. He managed. He fought mm-hmm. through it. But mm-hmm. the bigger story, and and, and we're going to talk about it, was John Rahm uh, having he to went. withdraw from the tournament, up six strokes, where he could have shot three over and still
2: won. In one? And what? Yeah.
0: Big of a lead he had uh, at. Uh, Murphy, Murphville, Village, but the course really showed us everything that that, that we wanted to see out of a Jack Nicklaus style course. It was incredibly tough. It was a second shot course. Uh, the greens were were rolling along. It was a really, really good weekend. But one of the interesting things that came up was uh was the rain played a huge factor, especially early on in the tournament. Um, and and this is this is going to be my first question and uh, probably my only one, just to make sure that we have some time here, but. Um, a lot of rounds, especially uh, later on in the day, couldn't take place until the next day over. And mm-hmm. You had guys like Victor Hovland who – only finished 11 or, 11 or 12 holes on the first day, went back, played his final six, mm-hmm. and then had to come back in an hour and a half to play more golf. How much of a challenge was it for a lot of these guys for um, later afternoon, day one, into early morning, day two, and, and beyond? To kind of get into that rhythm, considering you didn't really have a lot of time in between rounds. You kind of – you sort of them mm-hmm. off, so, you have to, so you're sort of thrusted in at like 7.30 in the morning to, to finish out your round and then come back. Was it kind of a, a struggle
1: for these players to think i I think rhythm is super super important for these players um i it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword so rhythm is really important but these guys are are golf crackheads they golf like hours and hours every day so if they have to play um what is it like like 18 and, and a half holes is um 27 if they have to play 27 holes even if they have to play 36 holes you know that's not something that's like out of the ordinary for them so i don't think it's something that they necessarily hate um but like you said the rhythm is important for these guys i think for certain players uh who prefer that rhythm and tempo and like hey routine um which is a lot of players i do think maybe um it kind of threw some of those guys off but at the end of the day um these guys are professionals they should be able to capitalize on any situation um, that's given to them, you know. We
0: saw we saw a lot of really strong performances from a lot of guys who kind of have been tailing off uh, recently, and mm-hmm. this week going to be kind of a telling tale for that. A lot of guys who are favored this week have been uh, in pretty bad shape. But going over the uh, the list here, let me kind of pull this up for us.
2: So mm-hmm. some of the guys are kind of set up. Scottie
0: Scheffler ha- had a pretty bad week the week prior at the Colonial. He had some. Some ups and downs. Really managed to come back. As when Brandon Grace, one of the guys who um, was actually in the Monday qualifying for the U.S. Open, has been, um, mm-hmm. been on the upswing. Actually had a really, really week finishing. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourth, Patrick Reed, who I mentioned uh prior in our uh, in our review show, one of the guys mm-hmm. who come in, placed top forty, and then all of a sudden uh, sweep the field and, and possibly win. Mm-hmm. He finished in fifth, really good performance out of him. And Max Homa. Uh, a guy who Max Homa, honestly, I've been waiting to use him for a pick for a while,
1: but mm-hmm. I feel like horses as of late they simply don't fit yeah. him well enough. Homa yeah, no haven't thing. fit him well enough, and he hasn't been playing all that good. Exactly. But it was, it's it, whenever he's in contention, it's fun to watch. He's he's one of those he's like a a Ricky Fowler for our generation, if you know what I mean, like that kind of brand. So he's he's fun to watch for me as a young guy. Uh, and ironically speaking,
0: Ricky Fowler, is someone who, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But moving on from them, from the memorial, the U.S. Women's Open, John. I don't know how much you were watching it, but to be totally honest with you. Uh, I was watching more of women's golf than I was the men uh, this past weekend. It was incredible, and it was everything that uh, I could have wanted that, that a lot of fans would have wanted, and also what golf fans in general should have uh, really mm-hmm. appreciated. It's one of those tournaments that women's golf, let's be honest, doesn't really get a lot of uh, attention. Women's sports in general don't really get a lot of attention. Uh, if you notice, if it, if it isn't a, uh, a PGA player or even in – uh, the big four sports, like for example, I saw a thing about how um, the WNBA orange hoodie is like the number one selling item, like ever, uh, in the in history of the league. And mostly it's because Kobe Bryant wore it, uh, Drake's been wearing it recently. So if it isn't because of a guy, women's sports usually kind of uh, flies under the radar. And I feel like this uh, this tournament, especially, really showed that the future of golf might actually very much be with some of the girls. Some of the names who uh, stood out to me, first of all, the winner, Yuka Sasso, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. She isn't the youngest person to win it. She literally tied Indy Parker who was the four winner was like 19 years old, 6 months and like 17 days. Literally mm-hmm. two the
2: day same
0: yeah. age uh won the tournament. So 19 years old there Megagane, uh 17 years old. She actually had a, a cool cool video prior to the tournament where she actually met Jordan Smith back when she was, like, like 13 years old. I she did see that. And she brain see what he was like, and mm-hmm. he ended up giving her a uh, her shout-out at 17. She finished high for 14th, but she led the pack on day one, so really impressive there. And actually, the one person who stood out to me the most, and this uh, no one really knew who she was of this one thing, but it's this one thing that, that really uh, made her stand out, was Chloe Kovaleski. She was a, uh, mm-hmm. an American from Florida. She's 14 years old, the youngest person in the field. She missed the cut, but she outdrove – Everybody by at least ten yards. She was averaging three hundred and three yards out of the tee box. The next best person was two hundred and ninety-two yards
2: at fourteen years old. Fourteen years old. That's super yeah. impressive,
0: dude. I cannot hit it. I I can hit it maybe two sixty if I stripe it. So <laughs>
1: absolutely ridiculous that someone ten years younger than me was managing. But John, did you manage to catch the uh, terminal? So I I I caught as much as I could. So on on the, the um streaming service that i have i get i don't get the golf channel i do get like cbs and M E C. so like um what i what i do to watch the golf channels i'll go to this club that's um by me and i'll practice my short game for like an hour and then to cool off i'll go inside and they have the golf channel all the time yeah. so i'll try and catch it that way so that that's that's the extent that i got i wanted to watch more i was actually jealous because like i knew you were watching it and i knew i couldn't watch it but i i thoroughly enjoyed um the men's weekend so i'm I do regret it a little bit but i watched as much as i could i think this is great you know because this 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 particular tournament got a lot of publicity and like you said it's it's usually because um someone has someone who's popular who may or may not be a guy has to shout out um a woman's sporting event for it to get coverage something like that this wasn't the case at all it just it just simply got the coverage which was kind of cool to see um it was it was going on my twitter feed every once in a while i, I saw at least like one or two tweets an hour about this, you know, and that's not the most common with women's golf. So it's good to see. It's good for the sport of golf. And it's especially good for women's golf. And let's just point out how youthful women's golf is. That's not something you see on um, on the PGA Tour, the men's PGA Tour, really. Um, so I, I just, I just thought, I just think that the youth is kind of crazy. I like, have a 19-year-old winning. You have a 14-year-old out driving the entire field, you know, and that, that's not going to happen on the men's tour. But on the women's tour, like that's, Exciting. So I think like I said, it's good for it's good for golf in general and especially good for the LPGA.
3: The Get in the Hole podcast is sponsored by Tomahawk Shades, the best eyewear in the game. Tomahawk Shades is making sure that when you tee off on hole number one, your eyes are well protected from the sun as soon as you hit hole eighteen. Tomahawk Shades founded by two brothers on Long Island to make sure that you're getting a quality product for an affordable price and not spending an entire two weeks paycheck on one pair of sunglasses and you're looking styling and profiling on the golf course. And say you're at home watching the PGA Tour, they got the Blue Light Plus glasses to protect your eyes from those violent blue lights that come from your TV. Go to tomahawkshades.com right now, fill up your cart for the golf season, get the sunglasses, the Blue Light Plus glasses, and anything else you need while you're out on the course so that you look the best, And you can live up to the look good, feel good, play good moniker that we live by here in the underground. And when you go to check out, use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com promo code USP for 25% off your order and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for sponsoring the Get in the Hole podcast. The Get in the Hole podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. That's right. Stateside Vodka is the official vodka of the Get in the Hole podcast. Guys, they're headquartered in old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're right in our backyard. They are seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. And get this. Stateside Vodka is blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market blended with electrolytes on the same mineral composition found in that sports drink that starts with a G, and it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. They've also won awards for best packaging in the world. Who doesn't love a winner? And as you guys are listening to this, Stateside Vodka has got you ready for the summer. They just released the vodka sodas in the cans. They are in the vodka soda game. Stateside Vodka is taking things to the next level with their vodka soda variety pack. It's easily the drink of the summer. So go to statesidevodka.com right now. Get the vodka sodas, get your vodka. They even have the bourbon in stock. And when they do, you don't want to miss out on that. It is very limited. So get your hands on everything that Stateside has to offer. And when you go to checkout, make sure you have those one liter bottles In your cart, so you can help us out pay some bills. Use our code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, as always, please drink responsibly. What's nice is, too, and uh, a lot of credit, actually,
0: to the LPGA for, for the, their Twitter, considering that, that was really the reason that kind of yeah. um, brought this all about. Like, you, you see major sports leagues like baseball. You and I always complain that they have the absolute worst social media and they can't market. But the LPGA was doing a terrific job the entire weekend at really marketing their players, really kind of getting you immersed in the event, which, which I was, mm-hmm. really And then just like, like you said, the youthfulness. If you notice, the only – the youth – on tour for the men is Matthew Wolf, Colin Morikawa, Will Alatoris now, but still they're 23 years old. They aren't these yeah. young 14 year old men, 14 year old, 19 year old, and, and now we're gonna see uh, with the US Open, a lot of the guys from the one they qualified and got on the exemption list, no one's under the age of 22. And everyone's, mm-hmm. everyone's late in college. Everyone goes to the same college as Georgia Tech. They go to the Oklahomans of the world. So you mm-hmm. want to see the same sort of crowd of people, and there really isn't a chance for those young guys. Actually, I think the youngest person actually made the field is um, uh, Asha Bhatia, who's 19 years old, who I've been yeah. raving about. I love this kid. Um, I love like so, this Still, 19 years old doesn't really compare much to – uh, to the field here when a 19-year-old won at the LPGA. I can almost guarantee you right now that if there's anybody who is not going to win the U.S. Open this, uh, this weekend, it's going to be Ashley Bhatia. So uh, <laughs> it's, certainly, it's, it's certainly great for the sport to see uh, the youthfulness and being able to get a lot of these players, but also because it's a bit of a niche sport to a degree, you can get uh, these younger players involved in yeah. qualifying. And we haven't really seen this kind of influx of young talent since Michelle Wee, uh, I can't even tell you when, probably 2010, back when I was a little kid. So it's really good to say, and I really appreciate those. Yeah,
1: you bring up a good point about their Twitter account. That is how I got a lot of my content from the Women's US Open was mm-hmm. from that Twitter account. They get a good job of pushing out constant content consistently. Um, and that that's what kept me engaged. I know that's what kept America engaged too. So great job by the LPJ. Um coming up strong where a lot of major sports organizations, like you said, they come up short. So that is a very good point by you.
0: So, John, we've chatted about the Memorial. We've chatted now about the U.S. Women's Open, but we have three big storylines in the men's PGA Tour. Unfortunately, we got to we got to push the ladies to the side. But there are three big storylines you got to talk about in the world yeah. of the PGA Tour. We've already kind of hinted at two of them, but we need to we need to now dig a little deeper. So, first of all, we're going to start back at the Memorial with John Rahm. He just a positive for COVID-19, like we said, with six yeah. strokes up on Patrick Cantlay. And Kyle Morikawa, and a lot of uproar came from the PGA Tour because he wasn't able to play uh, his final his final round on Sunday. He had to leave um, Saturday uh, at the end of his round. while he up the news, and there was a lot of uproar from players trying to argue and say that John should have been able to finish his round and play even alone, whether or not he played the very last the very last. Uh, I guess grouping of the day where you would have played uh, the five thirty round, played the shotgun, and just kind of did it, did it himself. And if you won, you won. Because honestly, at the end of the day, I think the players are more concerned about um, letting their competitors play rather than oh, the last group has to be the ones that are going to be beat, possibly the yeah. ones winning. So, what do you think of of the PGA not allowing John Ronaldson? to play Um,
1: I mean, the the whole situation first of all was really, really. I hate to say this, but it was entertaining because like Rom finishes up, you're like, oh my God, this guy almost shot the course record. He's one one stroke away from tying the course record. He gets off the green. This happens. There's a whole cloud of suspicion. No one knows what's going on and suspense. And it was it was entertaining. And you're like, but at the same time, you're hoping, like, oh my goodness, like hope did something happen in this guy's family? Like, what's wrong? Like you you want, you're hoping for not the worst. And then you're hoping for something that is a little bit less than, and I guess that's what we got. Like he has, then you find out oh yeah, it's COVID. Like that sucks. It's not a death in the family or anything, but that still sucks. And then you find out he has to withdraw from the whole thing. And there's there's obviously two opinions. Like you said, people were giving the PGA Tour a lot of heat for not letting him play. And on the other hand, people are also giving John Rahm heat for not getting the vaccine. You know, so there's kind of these these two sides of the spectrum that you you know you can make good points for either side. You know, I I tended to really not like seeing a lot of people attack John Rom. like, okay, like the guy didn't get the vaccine. That doesn't give you a right to go after him. Like obviously this, you know, he was about to win this tournament. Um, this is just like a like Rom said, he came out like class act, he's like, this is just a minor setback. I'm defined by how I overcome this setback. And then you had people saying this isn't a setback, should just gotten the vaccine. Like give the guy a break, you know, it's unfortunate. Um I'm sure he's safe. He You know, obviously he's following all the protocols of the PGS set forth. Um, So I tend to not want to stray too too far to either side of that spectrum. Um, But when it comes to whether or not they let him play, there are rules in place. Um, You can't just change the rules like that. Obviously in a perfect world, you could be like, all right, let's get together. Like, okay, this guy's asymptomatic. Maybe we can let him play by himself, carry his own bag. I mean, I don't know, probably wouldn't happen, but like something like that, where you could actually, sit down with a group of people and make that educated decision, but that's not how this works. There are rules in place beforehand. He knew that he was um, undergoing contact uh, tracing and all that. Um, so, I mean, there's there, the PGA Tour couldn't have let him play. That makes no sense for people to say that. In a perfect world, yes, but, you know, there's rules and there's guidelines, so. Theater can simply be defined as someone performing something for someone else. Theater also refers to the space designated for said performance. The term theater can also describe the process in which live performances are created. Acting, directing, producing, designing, all fall under this umbrella of theater. But to a kid in high school, theater can mean so much more. Join us as we draw back the curtain and reveal what I like to call the magic behind the magic. This is Curtain Talk.
3: Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you The fastest-growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Cremins as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network.
0: Well, the, the only thing I'm going to say to kind of counteract that is the fact that social distancing, especially nowadays, golf's really become the uh, the go-to sport. For that, You've seen it, that golf has surged, I think, 345% uh, over the last year and a half because of the fact that, that it's a total, social distancing sport. And I feel like if, if he's able to play with the mask on and he's able to sort of uh, keep himself away from the crowd, I feel like there, there, there's no reason why he, why he can't play, especially in, in that last grouping. Where if you're the last one to tee off and there's no one around you, that there aren't going to be fans there anyways because they're going to have it. They're going to have have a security detail sort of blocking everything off. I wouldn't see a problem with him playing. The only thing that will possibly get get in the way would be there would end up being some sort of media attention to that. And I understand the PGA wanted to play it safe, so I'm not going to blame them uh, for that one. And like you said, the rules are important. Mm -hmm. But now the rules kind of come into concern here with – are they gonna now force players to get the vaccine? What are they gonna do Well, on that end? We're only gonna have to
1: find out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't think, I mean, honestly, I don't know if they could legally force people to get the vaccine. I not, I but, but I mean, like are they I mean, I think the honestly, like people are in up in arms. I think I think the the protocol and the rules they have set forth are, are pretty solid, you know. I mean, it kind of sucks that he I mean, if let's say John Rom was like, I don't know, not was he 18 under par or was he 16 under par? Yes, yeah, so uh, 16 under so, par, yeah. Okay, so let's say he was like five under par and he was like top like 40 or something like that. We wouldn't even be talking about this, you know? So the protocols that they have in place, they're not bad. They could probably be maximized a little bit more, um, but maybe maybe they go because he wasn't first and he got cheated out of a potential win. Uh, maybe they go back, sit down and say, okay, what can we do? Um, to maybe remedy the situation, but the protocols that they have in place, there's nothing wrong with them. So,
0: so speaking of rules, uh, as you know, the U.S. Open is coming up next week over at Torrey Pines in California. Unfortunately, like I said on the show, I might, I might have been going. I will not be attending. Uh, regardless, so the U.S. Open field is set after the Monday qualifying. It was the longest day in golf. Over, over a hundred players uh, tried out at most at, at multiple different locations, trying to try and win those quali- those qualifying. Uh, exemption spots, and so for those of you who aren't really aware, the PGA Championship, the US Open, the Masters, all, all the majors there are certain requirements to make those bit time tournaments. As far as the US Open goes, uh, the field's made up of the top 50 players in the world, the top 10 European four point getters who weren't otherwise exempt already, uh, and then there were three additional US exemptions, uh, which went to Ian Poulter, Bern Wiesberger, and Charlie Hoffman, plus the 20 plus amateurs who are qualified. Uh, and some of the notable names that actually will not be attending this week, uh, Brant Snedeker, who's actually John's fade uh, for this week's tournament, as well as Keegan Bradley, who's been a, uh, a a friend of the show. So, But the one thing that is being talked about everywhere is that there's one person who we didn't play at the Masters, he played at the PGA Championship Solely because he was a member of the 2018 Ryder Cup team. Again, that was one of the that was the only thing that he qualified under the mid tournament. And he's going to miss the second major this year. It's Ricky Fowler. So Ricky Fowler, as we know, has been a really uh, big name uh, in the game. We, were, we it's probably been uh, been
2: swirled around multiple times back in
0: 2018 when he won uh, at Waste Management. The, the crowd and, the, and cheering everyone on at, at the stadium. So, but it's really interesting because Ricky Fowler being this big name, there's been a lot of PJ uh, players just just like the ROM case to try and get Ricky Fowler on the thing and sort of uh, let go of the rules. For example, for, for, you know, Phil Mickelson came out uh, in support of him saying that because Phil won the PGA Championship and, of course, he was on the, uh, the Ryder Cup team, he already qualifies for the tournament. So his exemption falls out. He actually wanted Ricky Fowler to take his place, Uh, Hmm. Because originally coming in, uh, Phil wasn't wasn't qualified enough to do it. Uh, Hmm. Again, top 50 golfers in the world, Ricky Fowler, ranked 87th. But because of all this uproar, does his name alone kind of give the PGA Tour, should we add him, should we not? Actually, there is one spot left open, uh, but it's only for for, uh, anybody who wins multiple tournaments. This year on tour, and the only three who have won multiple tournaments on tour are all ranked in the top fifty. And we'll be performing. That's Jason Kokrak, Stuart Sink, and Bryson Shamro. So, because of Ricky's volatile season, he hasn't had a win since 2018. Should his name alone deserve a look to possibly get added to the field, or are the rules going to prevail again?
1: Um, the the rules are going to prevail again, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't look at him. I, I th- I've 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 seen a lot of people. Um, whenever Ricky Fowler's name is, I think his name was brought up for an exemption for another tournament recently. I don't know if it was the PGA, but it might've been something else. And I, I looked at the comment section. I was like, oh, people, Ricky Fowler's getting a handout. People acting like he's taking somebody's spot. I, I want people to know that an exemption doesn't boot anybody out. It's just Ricky would be added to the tournament. Um, I d- I think he does deserve a look because of his name alone. And also like you have to, put some context to the situation you know if there's anybody you want to give an exemption like his name would be at the top of the list he placed top what was he tied for 11th last week and then at the um the pga he was what he was he was he was 80 top 10 like he's been in his last two tournaments he's been playing like not elite golf but like good enough to go top 15 two tournaments in a row in the pga and then in the memorial just a week ago you know, so he he obviously deserves a look, but the rules are the rules. There's no way around him. I do think they should have given him extra consideration. I don't know. Um, like you said, that whole process, I'm not familiar with it. I thought, like when I saw Phil Mickelson either tweet that out or, or however whatever social media he put that message out on, I thought, okay, this makes sense. Like the PGA Tour can do this, but I guess it didn't happen. You know, um, I do think he deserved it. I don't think it would have been a handout. Um, I think Ricky's good for the sport, but it's not going to make or break um, uh, the media coverage that Torrey Pines is going to get or anything like that. I
0: partially do agree with you, but but again, the the rules are the rules, and I, and I was annoyed when Daniel Berger didn't make the Masters uh, back in November uh, of mm-hmm. 20, 2020 because um, at that point he had he had lost he had won in the playoff at Colonial uh, in the yeah. first four event back from yeah. COVID. He had four top 20 finishes, three top 10s, and yet he didn't, yet, yet he didn't end up making it because he wasn't a part of uh, a Ryder Cup team or he wasn't rated mm-hmm. in the top 50 at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so uh, there was a lot of uproar concerning that, but again, the rules sort of prevailed. And uh, then again, Augusta, Augusta's Augusta, so I'm not going to uh, challenge that. And I do think Ricky Fowler deserves some sort of a look. But at the same time, the biggest thing comes down to what he did, did on Monday. He went two over, and he lost to a handful of amateurs – uh, in the mm-hmm. qualifying. So, if you aren't able, yeah, if you aren't able to beat out some of the amateurs, I'm not sure if you really uh, deserve a shot at, at the cup. Again, this is at the U.S. Open. This is this is this is the. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had two tournaments this year where he's finished uh, top 20 so far this year. He's had one top 10 uh, prior to this part of the season. Um, ever since his win at Wage Management in 2018, so it's been a really rocky two years for Ricky Fowler. And mm-hmm. look at guys yeah. like Jordan Spieth, who. Yeah, he hasn't really found his form until this year, and prior to that, hadn't had a win since 2018, didn't really have a great 2019, really was horrible in 2020, but he consistently made the Masters, he consistently made the P2 Championship and the and the U.S. Open, but again, it was because of those exemptions that kind of got him there. I, It's unfortunate to see Ricky Fowler out because he really is one of those uh, driving forces forces in the game. He's 27 years old, but he's been around forever. Uh, fans fans adore him. They, they love him. and they, they enjoy the outfits, but unfortunately, I don't think uh, Ricky Fowler does it or because of the fact that he didn't play well enough on Monday. But, but moving on to our final thing of the day, our final uh, question before we end up leaving you all. So in case you've been living under a rock, uh, the Super League in soccer has become one of the biggest uh, talk about stories uh, from this entire year. But now, because of the fact that the Super League failed in Europe, you're not trying to move it over to the PGA Tour. Now, the Premier Golf League, which is in no relation to the Saudi Arabian League that was um, threatened about a month ago uh, by the PGA Tour originally, that was uh, basically a, all, a large tour out in Abu Dhabi trying to get players uh, with these multi-million million deals with the, with the Premier Golf League, another American and English-backed uh, Super League has said they're going to begin their inaugural season in 2022. And while they don't have players big enough to fill out an entire thing, uh, still, there are still a lot of threats coming out from the PGA Tour saying that anybody who joins is going to be banned from not only U.S. competition, including all tournaments and majors, but possibly even making the Ryder Cup team or the President's Cup or whatever. It to be. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, players like Lee Westwood, who has had a resurgence this year, said that if he was offered $50 million as a base salary, which has been talked about by some of these uh, groupings at the at the premier golf league, he says there's no shot he wouldn't turn it down. Now, John, how much of a problem will this league cause? Do you think there are there is a chance that a lot of these older players who um, are, are considered legends or uh, quite literally uh, gods of this game, like Phil Mickelson, if they aren't making the money now, and like Kevin Kisner said, there's a lot of money to be made in twentieth. Uh, even if you weren't cracking the 20th spot and you're coming in 40th or 50th place and barely making weekends, do you think we might lose a good good few uh, big-time golfers to this league?
1: So the the, the thing about this is this all comes down to the players. Like, the players have the power here, and it may seem like the PGA Tour coming out and saying, boom, we'll we'll completely expel you from any PGA Tour event in the future if you consider and join this league. Um, it might look like the PGA tour has power, but really the power is with the players. And if the players decide that, Hey, I can make more money and I want to do this, then I'm going to go over to the premier, the premier golf league or whatever. What is that? What That's what it's called. Correct. I'm yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The premier golf league. But the thing is the premier golf league has to have, um, they're going to pretty much have to pitch to the players. Like that's. Before before they do anything else, they have to pitch to the players and their business model has to be completely solid. There can't be a single flaw in their business model because if a player does commit to the premier golf league um, and then it ends up not working out, you know, I don't want to draw any XFL comparisons or anything like, like that. But maybe something ends up happening where it doesn't work out. There's a stoppage of play or something for a period of time or something like that. Then all of a sudden they can't play golf in the pga tour anymore you know what i mean so the business model for the premier golf league has to be 100 percent solid in order for them to convince the players to come over so it all depends on what the players want and what that business model of the premier golf league is and how they pitch it to the players
0: while the power is in the players in my opinion in terms of actually joining the national league itself the pga tour does have a big uh say in this considering and you saw it in europe that a lot of players didn't want to leave and go to the uh, the Super League, uh, especially those, like, those big-time clubs that were going to be political founding members because the players didn't want to be banned from the World Cup or banned from uh, domestic play. And now you're seeing it with, with poor golfers. I don't, I don't think Tiger Woods is going to want to go, he, even if he's given $50 million to go play. Who wants to go play mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16 tournaments in Abu Dhabi every year? Uh, mm-hmm. They're simply, in my opinion, there isn't the backing, just in terms of, of the Premier Golf League itself, to kind of get enough uh, really notable courses and fun places to play. I have, like the PGA Tour, w- w- what makes it so unique is that you have these courses like uh, TVC Scottsdale, TBC Sawgrass, these, uh, Augusta, these iconic courses mm-hmm. that even though they might be general tournaments, uh, especially in like Scottsdale or in Sawgrass, or even um at, uh, at Eastlake, they're unquote general tournaments in terms of, the, of they aren't majors. But people flock to them. Quell Hollow is another one of I them, mean, even though it's just even though it's just the Walls Forward Change. Quell Hollow is one of those legendary courses there, even Riviera for the Genesis uh, Invitational. So I don't think they're going to be able to create enough fun and uh, exciting courses for, for people to rally around. And although it might get a, a official uh, sponsorship deal from NBC or CBS, whatever it happens to be, the the PGA tours still has all the power here considering players wanna to play at the Gulf. They wanna play at the US open. They wanna play uh, at the PGA championship. They wanna hold the Watermaker trophy every year or, or They wanna they wanna win they wanna win it all and get a Ben Hogan putter. They wanna get everyone. So I don't see why the players would not uh wanna stay on tour it's, it's the best place to be. It's the only it's really the only place to be. Uh mm-hmm. and unless you wanna go play in Europe, there's no other reason to not play on the PGA tour uh than, than to just stick around. Even even with the money, look, Kevin Kisner said it. You get a lot of money for for coming in 20th place. If you're one of those guys who hovers around there might not might not win. How many Fino hasn't won a tournament in 2016 and he said hell no I'd never go there. So to put that to put that into perspective, a guy who hasn't won in six years yet still makes a pretty some pretty good bank, I'd stick
1: with them. So mm-hmm. Yeah I mean that that's pretty much it. The money the money has to be there. Like that's what I'm saying. Like The only thing that's going to come, if if you have guys like Tony Finau coming out and saying hell no up front without even like knowing much about them. And they just like recently released information pretty much like, was it honestly, it might have been today. I might have saw on there. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was today. Okay. Um, And honestly, as a golf fan myself, I wasn't super impulsed to look at the information they put out. Not like it was like some sort of like crazy marketing like strategy that they had, but like as a golf fan, I was like, eh. You know, I really wasn't entirely too like moved to to click those links and like find out more, you know, so it it all depends on if they have the money because if they they have the money up front to back all that, you know, maybe they might be able to swing a couple big names over Um, and maybe potentially some young guys who might be, their eyes might open up at the sight of what is it? $50 million base salary or something like that. So, and if they can get some star young guns, maybe, you know, who knows what happens. But um, for now, like you said, I think the PGA tour is... Ten times more appealing.
0: Who knows? Maybe as a uh, as a punishment to the Brooks and, uh, and Brooks and Bryson beef, whoever loses the boxing match is going to go and uh, he forced <laughs> to play the PGL. Who knows? That's a boxing match I would pay for. I would pay. Oh, for. oh did, way better than uh than Jake than uh, J- than Logan Paul and Floyd,
1: Floyd Mayweather. I was actually thoroughly entertained by that fight. I don't care what anybody says. I thought it was better. I thought it was better than the McGregor one. <laughs> I agree, but but come on, Brooks and Bryson, that would be a heavyweight bout. It would. I mean, my money, my money
0: would be on Bryson, to, to be honest. I don't I agree. But then again, Brooks' mustache, you can't be you can't uh not bet on
1: that. Maybe I'll go with the goatee for um, US Open Week. We'll see.
0: All right, folks, that's gonna do it all here. Live at the nineteenth hole. We are we are brought to you by Tom Off Shades. We're about to shout them out at the beginning of the show. Folks, there's one golf brand that one golf uh, accessory that you need. It's a good pair of sunglasses, especially out uh, here in the summer. I, I couldn't see a shot. I, I I had an approach shot out on the uh, seventh hole over at bergen point the other day, and I couldn't see because of the sun. Had I had my Tomahawk shades, it would have been really good. So to get out of those really to get out of those rough patches and always be able to find the green, be sure to be sure to check out Tomahawk shades. And use code USP for a big discount for as always. John Avelia, Stephen McAvoy, here fly from the 19th hole. Next week, guys, 40 Pines the US Open. Look out for a big show. hopefully some big announcements to come out. And don't well,
1: overlook and, Palmetto. Don't overlook Palmetto either. All right, yeah. Well, Palmetto's good, but in my opinion. It's, a nice it's, a good, it's actually a really, really nice course. And I'm kind it's
0: of this course, but like on it, like the problem is, is that
1: when you're the when you're out of the tournament right before the US Open. I of- know the feet and the field isn't great, but I think that's what makes it more interesting. And that you have two huge names in it, which would be yeah. DJ and Brooks. So if they're anywhere toward the top of the leaderboard come um, Saturday and Sunday, I think I think it's not to be overlooked. And look, if you if you saw pictures of the course that the PGA Tour posted, it's a nice course. Like it's, it's cool. flashy. It really yeah. is cool.
0: Well, but speaking there. of that, actually, you you should absolutely go and check out our picks for this week. A lot of young guns actually in and- it. In our picks of the, uh, picks this week, there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys that are favored that are, that actually have been in, in, in horrible form recently, including Tommy Fleetwood, Sun and Matthew Patrick, to name a few. But who knows, mm-hmm. man? Palmetto, and anything can happen. It's the inaugural tournament at Palmetto. Once again, check out our picks. This is the Getting Get in the Whole Podcast powered by Palmetto State. So we'll see you next week for the U.S. Open of Touring Thank you for listening to the Getting the Whole Podcast a part of the underground sports Philadelphia family of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Shout out to our sponsors over at Tomahawk shades, manscaped and stateside vodka for all their support in making underground sports, your go-to place for all things sports The get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia releasing weekly a part of the underground sports philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows see you next time get in the